Welcome to the Building Wealth Through Commercial Real Estate Podcast, where we will discuss with industry experts on how to create wealth and build passive income from apartment buildings, self-storage, mobile home parks, and much more. Here is your host, Jonathan Way. Welcome to the Building Wealth Through Commercial Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Way, and I'm the founder of Grayson Capital Group, my investment firm. If you're interested in passively investing with us, please visit graystonecapgroup.com and join our investor network. Okay, and now on to the show. Today we have a special guest, Olag Shamuva, and he's a good friend and um, of mine that we know each other since the Michael Blanc days when we were both fellow students. We, ha- we had uh, you know, uh, coaches that help us in our, in our journey in multifamily. And little Olag, he's been working in IT for more than 22 years managing various trading floor platforms. Uh, throughout his career, he has been working, especially in companies like IBM, uh, JP Morgan Chase, Citibank, BNP Paribas, and Credit Suisse. So these are well-known um, foreign banks and domestic banks in, 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 in the world. Uh, in 2010, he decided to leverage his skills and pass exam for real estate agent in the state of New York. He resides in New Jersey, and he, is, he, wants, he built his investment firm in 2015 uh, to acquire several properties in the tri-state area. Uh, he was able to turn, renovate, and lease up um, several units to increase net operating income. And he was able to generate additional income stream by adding relevant products and services to the property. Sensing a shift in the market, Olaf started focusing on multifamily in 2018. It's where he joined um, you know, Michael Blanc's sort of mentorship. He seeked a mentor, which is a great uh, wise thing to do. And he currently owns apartment buildings in Alabama, Georgia, Pennsylvania, and Tennessee through his investment company, uh, OM, ONM Properties. Okay, well, welcome to the show, Ola. Thank you very much for your, your great background. Thank you, Jonathan, for inviting me. It's a pleasure to be here. Great. So let's go to kind of like a, a deep dive into your first deal, because your first deal, like our mentor always says, is the law of the first deal. And after that, it snowballs. And it's very critical that once you get your first deal done, and then all of a sudden, the laws of attraction and the magnets starts going down like like a snowball. So let's go talk about go back to your first deal and let's talk about where where it is um, and how many units and and, and so forth. Okay. Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, my example is perfectly uh, confirming the, the the rule of the first deal. Actually, um, it just happened to be as even just a couple of days before I closed my first deal, I already I had another offer to to, you know, to be a GP on another deal. So, but, uh, you know, yeah, definitely let's talk. I mean, the first deal, uh, first of all, before even I closed the first deal, uh, it was a long, long journey for me, uh, especially with the pandemic and the market being, uh, when I'm talking about market, I'm talking about apartment, multifamily market uh, being uh, crazy. Uh, I didn't, I was not able to close my first deal until like uh, two years in this business or being in my Michael Blank's program. Uh, but, after networking, I mean, I was very close on two, two occasions, uh, two deals on the contract, but neither of them worked for me. But uh, eventually, you know, I closed uh, one, of the, one of the deals right now that I own 20 units in uh, Alabama, in Montevella. The, the key for me to close the deal was my relationship as a broker. One of the deals that didn't work for me was also with the same broker. We, we were very close to very very close to nail the deal basically but it was right before the pandemic started we even had all the reports we had the agency loan signed uh, but uh, pandemic started 
uh, and agency change the terms that they need. Uh, and since the property, a lot of tenants stopped paying the, 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 the rents and agency did not support the, rent, you know, the, the mortgage anymore. So the deal fell apart. But I kept the relationship with a, prop, with a broker and uh, eventually he came, uh, he came up, uh, he showed me this uh, off-market deal at some point, some kind of off-market deal uh, that um, it's not really a big deal. It's only 20 units, but it's, it's a nice area, cash flowing very well. In a good condition, it's not really a big, huge value add, but the, the, the owner was trying to sell it as, as uh, he had another deal on his side that he wanted to 1031 into it, and he wanted to close it right away. So he was under pressure kind of, and uh, you know, I was able to close the deal. Uh, we had some, some definitely some problems. So we had uh, two different companies offering us a loan, which actually didn't go through. At the last moment, they backed up, but I was able to find a local bank in the area uh, that offered us very uh, not the best law, not the best, uh, not the best rates and uh, terms that I would love, but uh, it also worked and actually um, it made the deal a little bit better uh, on the return side. Uh, we had to put a little bit more money, um, but uh, uh, but the percentage was better. Um, so. Okay. That's that's basically how the first deal went. Uh, we have it al- already for uh, almost uh, nine or ten months. Uh, so far, it's been cash flowing. We already had some uh, distributions to the investors, and um, you know, everything they seems to be happy. I seems to be happy with the way uh, the property is going. And, Great. You know, th- that's Great. that's a start for me. Sure, Olak. So you first found a deal through a relationship broker. That's great. And then how do you do your due diligence? Once you got under contract and LOI and PSA, then you went to due diligence, right? Tell us about the due diligence process. Uh, the due diligence is a very important part. I mean, you get all the financials, all the, all the numbers from the broker or from the seller. And uh, the number makes sense to you, but very often during due diligence, you can find problems. So it's very important to kind of go through, go through the list, and make sure everything is in place and everything matches what the seller is saying. Uh, we have certain the checklists that we use uh, that would go through the through the the rents. Uh, make sure they're paying the rents. Make sure the the, the you know the the the, the 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 services they're using are matching. You basically need to make sure the 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 income or all the expenses that uh, were shown to you matches. I mean, for me, it was uh, straightforward. There was no surprises, fortunately, at the closing. Uh, we were able to verify this as a, I mean, uh, uh, we were able to verify all the expenses that were provided. They, the, the seller provided all the receipts and the property manager had very, current property manager had very good bookkeeping. He provided everything that was matching and, uh, you know, everything went smoothly. I mean, definitely, uh, I mean, I had a trip. I went to, to the property. We did the inspection. We made sure we walked every single unit. As uh, you never know, you know what can happen. Um, but you know everything checked out perfectly. And fortunately, there were no surprises for us. Uh, like uh, like comparing to the f- first deal I had under contract, where we had a lot of surprises and we had to back off from the deal. Okay. Okay. Great. Great. So you did good diligence. You checked it very carefully. Everything you know looks nice, and and you tied out the leases, and then when you close, it was smooth closing, and there's really no surprises, right? When you close, uh, at the closing, no, no surprises. I mean, everything was um, the closing was virtual. Actually, it's it's uh, that's when uh, virtual closing. I I mean, before we, 
I was expecting to be flying there and closing, but it was during the pandemic and everything was done virtually. The, you know, there was no surprises at all. Um, the, the broker helped us to close. I had my uh, attorney working on it as well, an attorney on the seller side. Everything was done. And uh, by the end of the day on Friday, everything was closed. I signed all the papers and the FedExed it. Mm-hmm. And this was a JV, not a syndication, right, Ola? Yeah, a couple of partners together. Yeah, actually, all all the deals I have made so much. So, so at this point, are JVs, uh, interestingly enough. It's a JV, like this deal was specifically JV. Uh, I had two other partners on a deal who, who you know, who invested some money. And uh, mm-hmm. Okay. So why don't you explain to our audience what's JV versus syndication? So, it, so they understand the two terms. Uh, I mean, uh, JV is uh, JV versus syndication. So it's a good question. So uh, syndication is more uh, when you uh, have investors investing the money. They're passive investors. They're not actually doing any active job versus JV where each member of each investor are, are doing certain portion of the job and they have a specific role. Um, it doesn't have to be, you know, a big role. It may be one small role, but it has to be specifically. So each investor have has to be active on the property. So if you are a syndication, you just invest uh, your 50000 or $100,000 and you just get the checks uh, quarterly um, and, you know, and when the property is selling, you're getting your final paid off or a property refinance. For JV, you have to be active. Uh, you know, we have some JV may, may, for example, it would be as simple as depositing the checks or talk, talking to the property manager on a weekly basis, or it could be uh, just sending some, some invoices or uh, sending some checks out. I mean, it's, it's just as long as all the investors are active, it can be a valid part of JV. Mm-hmm. And great. So how did you um, slice up the division responsibility in this in this apartment, your first deal on the JV side? Um, I mean, uh, most of the most of the money was invested by me. Uh, the two investors they had had uh, a minor portion of the deal. But uh, I, you know, you have to talk to the investor and see what are they comfortable with? What are they, you know, what what they like to do and what they don't like to do? And based on that, every every JV would be would be different. Okay. For example, um, one of the other deals that we had recently in Florence, Alabama, we had, it's also a JV deal. I mostly was involved with underwriting and uh, kind of managing managing uh, asset management portion. Another person was uh, responsible more for raising money and calculating the finances and, you know, doing uh, doing more of a, you know, calculating how is, what is a PNL every year is how much money to send, and the third partner is more of on the construction side. He's working right now on renovating the units. He's working with a property manager or with a renovating team on a daily basis, flying sometimes there. I mean, it, it all depends on, on what is a person more comfortable to do, and that's how would you usually divide the divide the responsibility. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. That's a great explanation of, of JV syndication. Great, great. So what would you share to the audience? What's your best advice you share based on your, you know, I know you had a hardship. You, you took two years from the mentorship program. And but what would you say your advice to, I guess, aspiring investors listening to your story? Um, I mean, it's not such an, um, it's not such an easy task or job to be an investor. And it takes some time. I mean, as I mentioned, it took me two years and there was a lot of times where you were doubting yourself, but um, you have to understand and stay strong. 
And uh, I mean, I had some investors who've closed the first deal in, in uh, four to five months, as far as I know. So it's not always that long. Uh, but if you are, if you are, if you do have a goal, uh, I would suggest being strong and follow the goal. And in fact, for me, it works perfectly. As I said, before I closed my first deal, um, I was able to join as a, as a GP on another deal. And uh, I mean, it was like a couple of weeks before my closing. My closing was already set, but somebody needed urgently some help on the deal. And they offered me to be a GP and uh, join the deal. And, you know, since that time, I already closed several deals. In fact, last Friday, we had another closing locally here in Pennsylvania. And uh, we closed another property. Great. Congratulations to, to your success. And I wish you much more, Olag. And thanks for coming on the show. Thank you, Jonathan, and, uh, you know, for being here and uh, for helping everybody in the community. Sure. It's all the help you do on, uh, on uh, different uh, networking that you provide. Sure. So if you want to reach out to you, talk to you, how, should, how can I reach you, Olaf? Uh Probably it's easier to reach out to me on my email. The, the best one would be probably O-L-E-G-999 at gmail.com. Okay, great. Oleg999. Great. Awesome. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening. For more information, you can find us online at www.graystonecapgroup.com. Check back weekly for new episodes. See you again next time.